on a scale of one to ready, you'd be a. Can you just can you just tell me what numbers are between one and ready? Because <laughs> Chalupa. 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 Chimichanga. Blue snowball. Maximum quality. I will not mess this up again, Rob. I was gonna say, are you ready for take two? Joe, don't mess up. Take two. Boom. How to not properly run a podcast 101. Yep. Unfortunately, we've ran that episode <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> Welcome to Cast Royale, the Clash Royale podcast for casual players. I'm Rob. And I'm Joe. And this week, we discuss the balance changes, some news items, and our lessons with Nova Esports. Boom! Boom, boom, boom! What's going on, man? What's up, bro? We are back for episode 36. Three, six, boom. It's, it's actually episode 36, take two. <laughs> take two, with a little asterisk next to it. <laughs> yeah. So we're finally in your feed, um, and huge apologies for the delay. Um, so I don't even know how to describe it. Don't worry but... about it. I'll describe it. I messed up the audio. <laughs> I, uh, I hired some pesky goblins, as Rob liked to call them, to ruin yeah. my audio track. So we had an entire audio clip ready for you guys, and then I messed it all up. So I do apologize for causing the delay, but we are back better than ever, I hope, with a little asterisk, and we're here nonetheless, so just a couple of days late. Boom. Yeah. So um, let's go into a little bit about what's been happening uh, in the arena for us, because I know that we're going to talk about like our trophy counts a little bit later. So we'll save that stuff. But I did want to point out that I finally got my mortar to level 12. Boom. And I got the Electro Wizard from a crown chest. Double boom. (laughs) Dude. Finally, and we were just talking about the fact on the last episode that you didn't have the E-Wiz. Now you have the E-Wiz. I know, and I feel like every deck that you play nowadays at least has this card in it. So when you give me a crazy deck, uh, now I can actually make it, hopefully. Unless you throw in something like the Inferno Dragon, because I still don't have that. Well, I don't have it either, and I wouldn't put it into deck because of that. But have no fear, you have the best defensive card in the game. It did have a little bit of nerf coming its way, which we'll get to in a little bit. but. I'm super excited you got it, and I hope you're using it in your current decks. I'm not, but I, I, I think that's mainly because I just don't know a good deck, but I know that we got one to talk about a little bit later, so we'll just save that, okay? Boom. All right. Um, anything interesting happened to you this week? Any good upgrades or any good cards? So I've been working on getting my mortar to level 12. I did get it to... 12 a bull i'll say but i don't have enough gold (laughs) i don't have enough gold to actually pull the trigger and upgrade it um about twenty thousand short um in the meantime i'm working on my archers because i still am using the mortar mauler deck and so the archers are my next level 12 troop that i'm trying to get there but you know again i'm I'm gonna be in this like domino effect thing because i'm getting the cards faster than the gold so either i dump some money into the game or i get much better at the game so so that i can win grand challenges um but you know I'm, i'm not quite there yet well, if it makes you feel any better, I am like 60 archers away from level 12. Can I ask you a, a question, Rob? How does that make me feel any better? Well, you didn't let me finish. 
but I only have 30,000 gold. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that makes me feel so much better. <laughs> At least I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's either that or I could maybe upgrade my rocket um, to level eight, but I only have like 197 of those and I need 400. It's not enough. I thought before, I swear, I thought before you were going to be like, well, if it makes you feel any better, Joe, I'm 40 away and I'm going <laughs> to upgrade it tonight. So good luck. It's going to be like, oh, okay, thanks, I Rob. Next time I'm going to just do that, whether it's true or not. Ah, yeah, so I guess that's technically our week in the arena. Um, we did have two uh, websites show up out of nowhere, um, and they both do pretty similar things. Some have, or one has something that the other doesn't. I think you would probably be able to explain a little bit better than I could. Of course. So the two websites are statsroyale.com, and the other is Starfire, spelled S-T-A-R-F-I dot R-E. Um, both websites are really cool, as Rob alluded to. They both do similar things, so you can basically go on either website, put in your player tag, your gamer tag, check your stats, check your trophy count, check your chest cycles. So that's really cool, especially if you're trying to figure out when the next giant, magical, you know, legendary, etc. is coming up. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the, the other thing is you can check... The, the way that I use these differently is for stats royale i use it more for like what's going on in the current meta what cards are being used what cards aren't being used what decks are good to play in what decks are not good to play in um the starfire website is really cool because it gives you different charts that you can use um and you can also attach your clan to your gamer tag so long as you're like the leader of it which is awesome um and the other cool thing about starfire is it gives you real-time updates and you can also download an application for your phone um, so you can kind of track it much mm-hmm. more simply as opposed to like logging into the computer and trying to check your stats. <laughs> so very mobile, yeah, it's very so, accessible. It's so 1980s to just go to a website nowadays. Yeah, Rob. I mean, not all of us are 30. Some of us are, tw- <laughs> you know, in our 20s and we like to use the state of the art technology like cell phones. Usually if something has an app, it's usually better. No, it's true. So, so they're both very clean. They're both user friendly. Um, you can kind of go in there very simply and just interpret the information. You don't really need to think too much about it. So be sure to check those two websites out. We will put the links into the show notes. So be sure to check them out. Boom. Yeah. So uh, we also had a couple of challenges happen this week um, or over the last couple of weeks, I should say. Mini challenges. Well, we had one epic challenge, which was fantastic. And, you know, you play to get the one time rewards and you'll get random. You get the random epics, which was fantastic. I got a ton of witches out of that. Um. But then you're right, we also got two random mini challenges, and they were for rare cards. So there was a Valkyrie mini challenge and a Musketeer mini challenge. And you only needed to win, uh, I think both were the same, right? Three games? Three games. Um, and each win gave you three Valks, Musketeers, five, and then eight. So, And you still got a chest on top of that. So like, I really, really dig the way that they're handling this stuff and giving us new ways. I knew that they were talking about giving us new ways to get more cards. Um, and I'm really, really liking that, you know, if you happen to be working on one of these, this is a good way to get those cards. Plus, they also put a special bonus offer in the shop. Um, it wasn't, I believe, Joe, you were the one that said that you weren't too impressed with the, what was the first deal in the shop? Was it the Muskie or the Valkyrie? The Valkyries. So the Valkyrie, you weren't too impressed. And I feel like on the second time around with the Musketeer deal, they kind of made the deal a little bit sweeter. Right. So with the Valkyrie deal, when they put it in the shop, it was like you can get 50 of them for 200 gems 
or 100 of them for 380 gems. So in theory, you're getting a small discount if you get 100 of them, right? But mm-hmm. to be honest with you, casual players might not want to spend 200 gems for 50 Valkyries or for Musketeers. So I was just curious as to why they didn't make the lower end of the shop purchase less gems. And even if it was less cards, just, you know, you spend less gems to get less cards. But not everybody has just 200 gems just chilling there, right? So um, with the Musketeer deal, they actually did it differently. They started the low end much smaller. I, I forget the exact number. Maybe it was like 25 Musketeers or 12 of them. I don't remember. But it was significantly less than it was before. Um, and they kept the high end of the range the high end. Um, so if you right. had a lot of gems, you could still get them. But you want to know what these challenges really showed me? The, these, these three challenges in total, right? Too many challenges and then the one epic challenge. One, they show me that they still want people to play them because the entry mm-hmm. costs to get in them, while they were not always free, they were cheap. You know, 10 gems to get in, not so bad. Right. The other thing is, if you notice, they're not giving you challenges just to give you challenges so that you can get some extra common cards. Instead, mm-hmm. they're giving you rares and epics. And this is going to bleed into the next topic that we talk about in Radio Royale, but the reason I think that they're going into giving more rares and, and giving more epics is to dilute the population of just overleveled commons that are currently out there. Um, you know, overleveled commons have never really been a huge issue in the game. You know, the, I'd say it's been a growing problem, but feeding the, the card population of rares and epics really just kind of helps mitigate that, right? Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, On on a slightly different note, one of the things that I kind of want to see is uh, I really want to see these mini challenges stay in the game. I don't want them to like cycle out once they finish. I actually think that every week or, you know, every couple of days, whenever they decide to cycle them, they should just there should always be a mini challenge. It just it cycles through what rare gets shown in the challenge and i think that that would be really useful because what do they have to do change like one line of code to randomly generate what card shows up right and and to be honest with you right now they're giving x number of musketeers or x numbers of valkyries but if they don't want to over dilute the population of rares then they can just tone back how much they give us right i mean it's just a little incentive to help other people get there whereas leveling up a rare or an epic takes forever yep um but luckily, these challenges are here, and hopefully they are here to stay, and maybe a little bit more often than we've seen them. Boom. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the good old Radio Royale, what'd you think of this week's episode? You mean the most spicy episode yet? The spicy meet the ball. The spicy meet the ball. <laughs> That's right, dude. Th- this episode was fantastic. To, to me, I, I really like the fact that they called this a spicy episode, because it really was. And if you listen to it, they really, for the first time ever, I think, not only touched upon, but also properly addressed a very sensitive topic, which is overleveling as it relates to elite barbarians and the royal giant. Yeah, they talked about uh, they talked about a ton of stuff. Um, and one of the things that was brought up was they talked a little bit more about the two v two. And I'm not sure if you saw. I'm actually really happy that we wound up uh, uh, messing up the episode because now we get to talk about it because we didn't talk about it last. That's time. right. So. Did you happen to see Woody's video? Oh, I did. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, um, after Radio Royale came out, there's a section in the show that talks about uh, 2v2 clan battles, which you would expect them to talk about. But apparently, according to Woody, and he makes a video on YouTube, so I'm sure if you Google it, you could find it. Um, there's a section where there's carnival music playing in the background, 
But then there is also this weird, inaudible gibberish being said in the background as well. So Woody decided to take it upon himself and reverse engineer that audio. And apparently it is them or someone at Supercell saying, The month of 2v2 is coming. The month of 2v2 is coming! Whatever that means, I don't know. But all I have to say is, if it's a month-long event of 2v2 anything, I'm excited. Count me in. I'm in, dude. This could not be more exciting. Do you think they're going to change the ladder over to be a season of 2v2? How ridiculous would that be? That would be legitimate. That would be an actual consideration, right? Because they just recently changed the seasons to be one month as opposed to two weeks. So that could work. If it was a 2v2 ladder, though, it'd be pretty hard, right? Because, like, how could you keep track of the trophies separately, right? Like, my trophies with you would be different than my trophies with with Hazard or with or with Tag, right? So that's true. Maybe it'll just be something where, like, you just get an overall 2v2 trophy count. That's it. It doesn't matter who it's with. It's just your trophy count for 2v2 is such. Not the best way to do it, but but, but maybe it's maybe it's the quickest way to do it. Well, that's true. But to be honest with you, we've been wrong before. <laughs> so that's true. We can. I'm sure this is just a shot in the dark. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, I mean, great episode, uh, nonetheless, and we look forward to more. Um, but, but, but wait, actually, just real quick before we jump out of this, I want to touch on one, a couple things. Um, so, like we mentioned before in this Radio Royal episode, Sip and Banks did address overleveling the elite barbarians and the royal giant overleveling like i mentioned before is something that's kind of progressively become a problem especially for like the three to forty five hundred mm-hmm. range of trophies it, it really impacts commons because they're just so easy to level up and compared to rares and epics that just take forever to level up if you just have a deck of all commons you can basically accelerate yourself, propel yourself right into the top of the ladder. Um, right. And it just so happens that the Royal Giant and the Elite Barbarians are some of the best offensive cards in the game, especially when they're overleveled. I thought that they did a really nice job addressing it, but also nerfing them just a bit, but not to the point where they were, call it, unusable. And we'll get to the balance right. changes a little bit, but I just wanted to make sure that we address that. Otherwise... They went through a bunch of random questions from a bunch of different players and people within the community that were really cool. You know, some as simple as, are we ever going to get a friends list in this game? Check. Yes, we are. And can't wait for that. And did you ever think of having a a, like a legendary building? Check. And they're like, oh, well, (laughs) they're like, oh, did you listen to our uh, cards we killed episode? Because we talked about (laughs) we talked about the barbarian launcher there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One thing. One thing that caught me off guard was the fact that they are, it sounds like every episode I hear from them, they are seriously considering revamping Sparky again. Oh, yeah. And every time I hear them talk about it, I, I just shake. I can't, I can't handle it at all. I just don't want them to touch that card. They're just going to make it, they're going to make Sparky's fire rate like every 0.5 seconds. It's going to be like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I saw this re- I saw this really cool suggestion. I forget where I saw it from. It could have been from our Discord or whatever, but as to give Sparky a little bit more value but not fundamentally changing the way that she operates is what if Sparky had like this electrical vortex around her that as she was rolling, she just kind of disintegrated small squishy troops. They just kind of disappeared, almost like a zap, 
So it, it the the Sparky wouldn't necessarily waste its shot on a skeleton army. It would just aim for bigger things. You're getting me into the realm of I'm gonna hate this card. I mean, I I, I hate it, but I like it. Like <laughs> if you're gonna change it, like that's a kind of it's kind of a cool a cool way to do it. Uh, because Sparky's evil, man. I just like, as soon as I see it on the field, I just rocket that thing. Oh, I totally agree. She gets a big old rocket right in the face. <laughs> Boom. Yep. Done. Yeah, but no, uh, this was one of the better Radio Royal episodes that we've heard in, in, in a while. It was, it was a little while before it came out, but it was well worth the wait, and we cannot wait for the next one. Boom. I have one suggestion for uh, Radio Royale and Clash Royale in general. Here's a card that I want to see. I want to see another mechanical unit, like a Sparky. doesn't have to do, obviously, what Sparky does, but just another machine. I feel like we don't have enough machines. A while back, Joe, I came up with the idea for gyrocopters. I think that's a good one. You did, and I loved it, but I mean, don't forget, they've got the robot Becca. Yeah, yeah, but you don't know that she's a robot unless you just know that she's a robot. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of intuition, you know, a little bit of Clash Royale intuition. You just gotta dig deep and really find yourself and just know that she's, she's a robot that gets distracted by, by just butterflies. butterflies that turn into tornadoes. Yeah, that's true. I would like to see, I would like to see, ooh, you know what we don't have in hmm. the game? It actually blew my mind the first time I thought about it because technically Pekka is a robot, right? Right. But they always refer to her as she. Right. And the more that I thought about it, I was like, you know what? We don't have a giant female in the game. Well, Pekka. Yeah, but it's a robot. Hmm. But it's she. But like the giant, the giant is a dude. The royal giant is a dude. I, I would say the giant skeleton is also a dude. Yeah, but Mama Pekka just just cuts right through those big giants. Slice and dice. I just want like a giant archer. Oh, dude, imagine. Yeah, it'd be ridiculous. It'd just like one shot a tower. I just want the giant skeleton's name to just be changed to the boom man. <laughs> I think you're asking for way too much. All right, let's move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, so last but not least, before we go into some fun stuff, we do want to make sure that we uh, give a huge shout out to our friends over at the Giant and the Stick podcast. Um, Darren and Morgan uh, pretty much closed up shop on their podcast um, for a couple of different reasons. But the main thing is that they want to work on some other projects and good for them. Um, we just want to make sure that we highlight the fact that they have been around as long as we have. We started this podcast when they started their podcast. We've been doing it for about a year. Um, for those of you who may know or don't remember, uh, we did PodClash 2017 with them, which was a great tournament um, for the community. And it's worth mentioning that they absolutely, absolutely helped put Clash Royale podcasts on the map and made it into such a huge deal for people to come and get their Clash Royale information via podcasts. So uh, we want to just thank them for everything that they did. Uh, and if you haven't given them a listen yet, uh, not as family friendly, so just be aware of that before you, before you go and listen with your kids. Uh, but they definitely deserve your time. That was very well said. I'm not sure I can add any value to anything more than what you've just said, but I must say Darren and Morgan, thank you so much for what you do, for what you did and for contributing to the podcast space for helping everyone that we know get on the map. And we wish you nothing but the absolute best of luck. Boom. And maybe one day you can come on our show again as a nice little reunion. Double boom. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So tonight on the show, we have two very special guests uh, from Nova Esports. Nova Esports! Boom! Boom. We got Hazard and SirTag here to tell us a little bit about what we've been working on uh, and maybe give some tips to the casual player. So welcome, fellas. How you doing? All right. How are you? Hey, what's up? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for joining the show. I, I, I think... Not all of our fans or not all of our listeners, let's just call it, might know who you are. So I think before we dive into the thick and thin of things, can each of you kind of go through your background, who you are in the game and, and kind of what you what you do? Um, so, Tag, you want to go first? Sure. Um, I'm Jake, a.k.a. Tag, and uh, I'm a partnered streamer on Twitch. I uh, usually stream Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. If you guys have checked me out then. Um, I also have like 500k challenge cards one, even more actually. Wow. Uh, <laughs> kind of sad, kind of, kind of, kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to think I'm close to that, but I'm nowhere near it. <laughs> yeah, I did really well in CRL uh, season one. I was undefeated and uh, I did well in uh, most of the team leagues. If you've uh, kept up with any of the competitive scenes, uh, I've been at the top. Very nice. And Hazard, how about yourself? Um, so I am also a partnered Twitch streamer. Um, I stream every day from four to six. Um, but also, I've mainly just been um, a top competitive player for a while. Back in the day, I was kind of iffy, but I would place well in 15Ks. Um, I There was a LAN tournament back in September, in which I finished second, actually. Um, and since then, I've really just, um, things have kind of blown up. I've become like a top ladder player and just trying to be the best of a player that I can be improve over time, that kind of thing. That's awesome. So let me tell you, Rob and I are super ecstatic to have you guys as our coaches for this season. And one thing that I think we wanted to start off with was, you know, the differences between the two of you, not only when it comes to your styles, and clearly you have different styles, but to not just to the game, but also in coaching. So we kind of just wanted you to share a little bit with our listeners, what your style of coaching was, you know, when, when you took us under your wing, what was it like and, and what was your strategy to kind of help us identify what we were doing wrong and then improve on that on those points? Um, so Hazard, you want to go first? Um, yeah, sure. So starting off with Rob, I kind of watched some ladder games of him. He just jumped right in. He was playing a motorcycle deck, which, um, you know, I'm fairly good at uh, cycle deck. So I just gave him some pointers here and there. Um, tell him what he's doing wrong, like make sure like troop placement, for example, or like not leaking elixir, like what better plays are, how to do starting hands. And then after I watched a few, um, a few ladder games, I actually went in depth and we played some um, one-on-one matches uh, via Facebook. And those are pretty good. Rob actually, um, he took, took a big chunk off my right tower one time, which was pretty good. <laughs> I only had one game that was like that. I was very proud of that moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He made sure to tell me about that game, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, just kind of going through, watching him, and also playing against him, just seeing some um, some simple mistakes that were going on, trying to like improve him as a player, make him more solid by giving him tips and pointers throughout the game and after the games. Yeah, so one of the things that I immediately noticed... Um, and became very apparent when I was playing is I tend to uh, bunch troops up a lot. Um, and I don't always try to, I do try and like spread them out every once in a while because I know that, you know, you don't want to be one shot it with a fireball or a yeah. rocket or what have you. But I, in, in using the mortar mauler deck, you know, Woody's deck, I feel like I have to have a bunch of troops trying to push the oncoming push away from my mortar so that's what I instinctively wanted to do but uh you know Hazard was working with me a lot on where to specifically place certain things especially on the defense when I'm dropping my mortar and making sure that an oncoming hog rider 
always goes towards my mortar at least 95% of the time. So I was, I was not able to do that previously to these lessons. <laughs> Boom. Tag, how about yourself? Your style was a little bit different than that. You kind of want to run our listeners through your style and your strategy for this experience? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm really methodical and I really like uh, just analyzing replays at the start of uh, our experience. So uh, when I first uh, saw Joe, I wanted to make sure that I was able to look at his replays and just get a feel of what type of uh, style he's actually trying to play, what he's thinking when he's initially playing, and just see what mechanical things I needed to work on him with. So uh, initially we went into a game and I saw uh, a few things. I wanted to see a little bit better elixir management. That just means uh, being a little bit more decisive with your cards, making sure that you're not leaking elixir at any point. Uh, Leaking elixir means you're letting your uh, elixir bar reach 10 and then therefore you're like just wasting elixir. So that was one of the biggest things, and I see that a lot uh, when people are trying to improve or they're not, un- they're not sure uh, what they're doing with the deck. Uh, those small mistakes uh, can really just add up, and it can really translate to a huge advantage to your opponent. So just being decisive with, those, uh, with every decision is really key. Another thing, is, uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, was staggering units. Uh, making sure that you don't actually... Uh, <laughs> Don't actually cluster everything up to give uh, your opponent's value with uh, their spells. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was kind of big. And then the third thing was just overcommitting on defense. Uh, make sure that you uh, any elixir that you spend on defense is going to be utilized well uh, when you convert that uh, defensive maneuver into offense. So say you defend a hog rider with like an inferno tower. Uh, the Inferno Tower isn't actually going to walk across the map and <laughs> pressure your opponent. So I told Joe, like, you'd stop dropping the Inferno Tower or stop dropping a building when you can be dropping an Electro Wizard plus skeletons, and you're not going to get any hits from the Hog Rider, and you're able to translate that into uh, a pretty nice counter push with even a graveyard uh, with the support of the Electro Wizard. So just keeping in mind uh, those subtle interactions that... Uh, I didn't really know if uh, most people would know that that stuff without playing a lot. And uh, I I was able to uh, present Joe with that information and he was able to translate those uh, uh, interactions into later gameplay. So my next approach was after identifying the things that we needed to work on, uh, I watched him play some live battles and uh, it was really cool to see like how easy he was just able to just beat everyone like (laughs) the games were like not even close he literally uh just took everything that i wanted him to do and implemented it there were some some mistakes uh and we went and watched over those replays but it was really cool to see uh just in general how he responded to everything and didn't overcommit on defense or overcommit on offense early on he waited for the double elixir uh for the graveyard every single time there are subtle things that just like drastically improve gameplay and uh it was really cool to see yeah, and, and just to supplement that, and I mean, Tag's a- approach, like you mentioned, at first was to go through replays, and from my style, that's fantastic, because I've mentioned this before on a, on, a, on a previous episode, but I'm very analytical in nature, and I like to look at what I do, analyze it, and see what I'm doing wrong, and sometimes it's tough to see what you're doing wrong if you can't recognize it, and so Tag was able to identify those things very quickly that I was doing wrong, and they were simple fundamental errors that you kind of just take for granted in your everyday gameplay. Um, and it's, it's amazing how very small tweaks, as long as you're thinking about them, can make a huge impact every game. 
Um, and then one other thing that you did tag, which was really cool, after we did all these replays and watching the live battles, was you actually went into the, some some live games with me, not to battle me one on one, but more so to look at troop placement and also spell placement, especially when you're facing things like Goblin Barrel and how those interact with skeletons or uh, or a knight or an Electro Wizard, etc. So that that was really cool too. Yeah, I, I think I showed you how to do the Electro Wizard placement almost every single time for the uh, Goblin Barrel, which is just incredibly efficient when you can conserve a log, use an Electro Wizard, and then get that Electro Wizard on offense barreling down your opponent's uh, lane. Essentially a uh, one elixir electro wizard for uh, just being able to pull off that mechanic is really cool. So uh, stuff like that. Um, I also showed like uh, how to drop uh, skeletons in front of your tower and then even a knight in the back. Uh, when they drop a goblin barrel, the two goblins in front of the tower will hit uh, the skeletons and then the one in the back will hit the knight and then you just take no damage for four, for a negative one trade, but then you also get a knight barreling down the lane that they have to respond to. Stuff like that was pretty cool. And uh, it was it was cool to see because uh, first analyzing your replays allowed me to see, oh, okay, so he doesn't understand this or he didn't know this previously, so then we can uh, go and work on that. So I think, for me at least, looking at the replays first uh, just allows us to spend our time most efficiently, so I'm not wasting time trying to teach you things that you already know or something that just isn't as important. Yeah, and, and to be honest, and Rob, I'm sure you can attest to this, we make a lot of errors. <laughs> we don't. Yes. We might not think we make a lot of errors, but we make a lot of errors. But and a lot of them are simple. And you know, it's interesting because it just takes one lesson, just one lesson, and it's amazing what impact that can have on even your trophy count because. I don't know about you, but after one lesson, I've reached my all-time high. I don't know about you, but I reached my all-time high. Right behind you, mine was 44.39. And I wasn't much higher than you, but I did get to 45.23. And I couldn't believe that I broke 4,500. I don't think you you could believe you broke 4,400. I can't believe both of us made it to Challenger 2. That's right. And I mean, like, at one point, I a small part of me thought I might get to 4,600. And then I just went to his trophy death spot. And then <laughs> dreams were shattered right before your eyes. Right before my eyes. But, we're going to um, keep moving up, man. It's, uh, it's not going to stop. I, I can't wait. I mean, I'm just waiting for when I'm going to get to like 5,600. I mean, I just need a couple of more good wins and, and I'll be up there. No, no big deal, right? Hazard, we got to put some work in. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I will continue to look behind me as, as you're, as you're tra- trailing, trailing my tails, Rob. Ooh, now we got to really put some work in. Shots fired. Boom. 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 There it is. Yes. (laughs) Um, So for anybody that does want to partake in any of these lessons, they should be available fairly shortly. Um, But if you go to NovaEsports.com slash lessons, and we will put that in the show notes, uh, I think it's best read actually from this website. Um, It says buying chess and leveling up can only get you so far. Learning from others is one of the best ways to push up in the ranks and turn yourself into a competitive player. So who better to learn from than some of the best players in the world? Boom. Boom. (laughs) And you get private instructors, obviously. You get tips and strategies and, of course, live feedback and maybe some colorful banter. You never know. (laughs) Boom. And I can't stress it enough. We talk about these things all the time on the cast. And you'd think that after talking about them all the time, we would have just been able to simply implement them into our gameplay. But it's just amazing how impactful these lessons have been. And guys, we cannot thank you enough for not only coming on the show, but also for the opportunity, making yourselves available, and just sharing your knowledge and sharing your skill with us so that we can climb the ladder and improve our gameplay. Yeah, don't doubt. It's been great. 
Thanks for having us on. I really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. So if uh, if any of our listeners want to find you guys, where uh, can they find your information in terms of Twitch streaming and whatnot? So for myself, uh, I'm SirTagCR. That's the same for uh, my Twitch, my Twitter, my YouTube. You guys can just search SirTagCR and uh, that, that should get you guys everything. On uh, Twitter, uh, I'll be posting decks that I uh, find really relevant and grand challenges that I've gotten 12 wins with. My YouTube will also give you detailed instru- instructions on uh, how to play a lot of those decks. And then, of course, uh, live streaming on Twitch. You guys can watch me tactically tilt live on stream <laughs> or uh, pull, a, pull a 12 win Sparky. Because uh, we, we, we really want those Sparkies out of our 12 wins. That's, uh, that's what we play for. Big Mama Sparky. <laughs> killing it. Yeah. Greatest card of all time. She made it into our meta check last week. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> so Hazard, where can we find you? All right. So for me, um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, my Twitter DMs are open and it's at Mr. Sir Hazard. Just one word. Um, on Twitch, you can find me at HazardCR. I stream every day from 4 to 6. So if you want to ask me a question live, you can always come stop by there. And then on YouTube, I'm actually starting up a YouTube channel. It's not that good yet, and I'm not really quite used to the whole, the whole YouTube not talking to chat kind of thing. But I'm getting there, and you can find me there at um, Hazard Clash Royale. Everyone, be sure to check out these guys on Twitch, on Twitter, on YouTube. Guys, you are amazing at what you do. We cannot thank you enough, and we are just super appreciative for you taking the time, and we cannot wait for some more. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. That was amazing. I'm glad that they came on the show. Glad? Are you kidding me? We're like, we're like talking to pros, dude. I'm like sitting here, and, <laughs> no. I'm like sitting here, and I'm just like trying to like hold myself together, keep myself composed. But meanwhile, I'm like, that's tag, that's hazard. <laughs> Joe, Joe can't handle it. I can't handle it. I'm like, he's yeah, yeah he's telling me to drop the night. All right, I'll drop the night. All right. Just tell me what to do. Tag, what, what should I be doing? Hazard, tell me how to play. Yo, tell me how to play. I know, like I'm trying to keep myself composed, but it, like inside, I'm like, I'm like. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, obviously we're very excited. Uh, it was great having those guys on the show. We really appreciate it. Um, and we definitely plan on having them on the show again um, at some point in the future just to talk about uh, a little bit more detail into what we've been working on with them. But that was a nice little flavor, I would say. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. So we got some Balance changes. Balance changes. Boom. The 419 balance changes came with a wrath. And the first change that we got was to the Royal Giant. Royal GG. Who had its deploy time increased to two seconds from one second. That's right. And this was part of the Radio Royale discussion that we were talking about before. So we won't go too deep into this, but it was simply to address the overleveling issue to reduce the Royal Giant's immediate impact that it had on the map and just make it so that the card was played with more quote-unquote skill if you reduce the impact it has right up front then people will probably be more prone to use it in the back behind their king tower to develop a big push Mm -hmm. and if you're developing a big push you typically have to use better strategy as opposed to just Plop the giant down and just see what he can do. <laughs> it's funny, too, because now that this change went into effect, I am noted, especially since royal giant decks are the the evil of all mortar mauler decks. Um, so I've That's definitely right. been noticing, right? I've definitely been noticing that uh, the royal giant has been placed a little bit further away from the river. It's not on the river all the time now. Totally agree. 
Mm-hmm. So the next change that we got, uh, which goes in line with uh, what we were talking about before with Radio Royale, is to the E-Barbs, the good old elite barbarians whose hit points were decreased by 4% and had its initial attack slowed by 0.1 second. That's right. This change doesn't impact them drastically. They're still going to be able to slice and dice those big meaty targets when they're playing on defense. But what this really does is just make it a little bit easier to defend against them. And Rob, I'm sure you can attest to this. Before this balance change, how often did you find yourself just barely about to kill one of those elite barbarians and they get one slice off on your tower before you kill them? Oh, dude, all the time. And I have to be honest, when they came out onto the field, I would go into like a mini panic attack and not be able to handle it really well. That's right. (laughs) And now that this change has happened and I've been dealing it with it for a little bit, they're def- I won't say that they are much easier to deal with, but I will say that it is noticeably different. If you can just take a step back, take a deep breath as soon as you see them, and just play slow, and just play calm, cool, and collected, choose the right cards to defend against them, you're going to kill them before the tower will uh, take any damage. I mean, you might have instances where they get to the tower, but if you really truly understand how to just defend against elite barbarians, this change, even if they're overleveled, should allow you to properly defend against them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. So the next two changes are actually, uh, they kind of go hand in hand. So one of them was the furnace who had its hit points decreased by 5%, whereas the second one was to the goblin hut who received the furnace's 5% and had its hit points increased by the same 5%. That's right. And I thought this was a really interesting change, right? Because for the longest time, we've been talking about the fact that the Goblin Hut is just completely unused. And when it is Mm -hmm. used, it's like, nah, who uses that card anymore? (laughs) Um, And the thing is, is the Furnace is a a four-cost card. And you get such great value out of it because not only does it have great chip damage, but it also has a lot of health. And because Mm -hmm. it has a lot of health, it's just very good on the defensive end because it takes a while for your opponent to get through it. The Goblin Hut was a five-cost card. And it just didn't have the same impact on defense. It provided some chip, but not as much. And, you know, it was just easily killed on the, on when it got some damage taken on it. So, you know, ultimately, this change makes them a little bit more interchangeable. But one thing I do want to point out is that none of these changes, while it impacts their hit points, does not impact how many goblins or how many furnace fire spirits get generated from the buildings. Just to clarify. Right, that's a good point, because this doesn't change how long it's on the field. This is just its life points. Exactly. Good call, good call. Um, So the next one is to the Electro Wizard, who had its hit speed decreased. Now, this is weird. I always get confused here. So it was decreased to 1.8 seconds from 1.7 seconds, so they made it slower. That's right, and I mean, we've talked about this before. Aside from the fact that Supercell probably said... Hmm. Rob got the Electro Wizard? All right, let's nerf it. <laughs> Always. Let's nerf it. They did that to you with the miner. They did. They did. They've done this to me for a couple of <laughs> for a couple of my legendaries. But the second option, probably more likely, is they realize mm-hmm. that this card is just a little bit too powerful on the defensive side. Um it's very good, very efficient, very control oriented, and really prevents your opponent from being able to do much of anything uh for a lot of its cards. So 
you know, and don't forget when it's done doing that, it goes on the offensive push, which is just equally as hard to defend against. So um, slowing it down a little bit might seem like not much, especially when it's only a 0.1 second decrease in speed. But if you think Mm -hmm. about it, over the course of one match, an entire match, that might prevent a couple of a couple of zaps from going off, which right in total could make a big difference in a game. Yep, that's a uh, that's actually a really valid point. Um, you good on this one? Let's move on. So the next one is to the executioner, who not only a month ago received a facelift in his portrait, yeah, he is now smiling a lot more. Uh, his damage is now increased by six. You see, he was happy because he was anticipating the bugs getting ironed out and he was yeah. he was anticipating the 6% buff. I love this change. I thought that the that the reduction in damage was simply because of the bugs. He needed the 6% damage, so I'm happy he got it back. And there is just a tremendous, tremendous amount of lava somethings out there, like lava loons or lava beatdowns or lava lavas or Lava mirrors or lava boom swag. You said lava lavas. There's too many lavas out there, and I cannot wait for this executioner to just come and just slice them away because I hate the lava hound. Unless I'm using it, boom. Well, that makes total sense. <laughs> I've got to be honest, right? <laughs> no, I, I I appreciate your uh, transparency. It helps a lot. Boom. Um, so speaking of the balloon you mentioned, uh, the balloon actually got a change uh, to its death damage. Um, so the well, actually, the death damage delay. So the death damage delay is now three seconds instead of immediately after one second. That's right. So basically, with this card, everybody for the longest time was complaining that the balloon was overpowered, right? And mm-hmm, in theory, mm-hmm. the balloon never changed anything about how it operated, except for the fact that it. The balloon bomb went off very quickly, and recently the death damage got increased, right? So the bomb that goes off kills archers, kills uh, spear goblins, kills minions, etc. So this change is actually a nerf to the balloon in the sense that if you place your troops in the right space, they will be able to safely walk away from the, the little bomb that's ticking Ticking and ticking over there before it actually blows up. Because the issue was, you'd kill it with like archers or minions, and then literally one second later, this bomb would go off, and now your your defensive troops are dead. <laughs> so it's like, all right, well now what? <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that this change is more so for uh, being a good counter to buildings that are left behind after the balloon dies, um, or any troops that are walking into where the bl- where the bomb area is. That's a very good point. And to that point, with this change, previously, if you had a musketeer kill a balloon, the musketeer would not take any damage. However, now, with the three-second delay, the musketeer has some extra time to walk into the bomb before it goes off. So you have to be really careful with where you place your slower troops now, because they will get hit with the bomb when it goes off. Your fast troops, or your medium-paced troops, will not get hit with the bomb so long as you place them in a decent spot. Pro tip by the boom man. I am no pro, but I know a few. Boom. A couple. <laughs> um, so the, the next change is to the skeleton army who had its uh, skeleton counts decreased again to 14 skeletons from 15. So, 
Sorry, I can't I can't help but laugh at this one because I just feel like they never know what they're doing with the skeleton army. And I love the fact that they never know what they're doing with the skeleton army. But here's what I do know. Whenever they make the change, it's because of skeletal equilibrium, baby. The balance in the skeletal equilibrium, baby. So as long as they're giving us that, I am totally OK with it. <laughs> That's true. And if and at least at least they decreased this and didn't touch the regular skeleton. So I'm happy about that. Larry is safe over with his uh, his party of four. Larry has risen from the dead and he is back and better than ever. And I love that guy. Boom. Boom. And the last change is to the Lumberjack, whose hit points were increased by 4%. I will keep this short and sweet. This card lacked the ability to get to what it needed to get to in order to make anything happen. (laughs) He's fast. He's strong. He does drop the rage effect, but he needs to be somewhere important for that to happen, typically in the thick and thin of things. Previously, he was dying too quickly and sometimes just just soon enough so that he couldn't get any damage onto a tower or a troop. This 4% increase might not seem like a lot, but with the rest of his kit, allows him to get some extra damage in, and that's what this card needed in order to be viable. Very well said. I can't add anything to that. Boom. So, that was fun. Let's move on to our meta check. Meta check. So what do we got this week from our good old buddy, Lord? Christmas, aka Devin from Castle Royale 2, hits us up yet again with another meta check. Are you ready? I am ready. Lay it on me. Not surprising at all, as I'm sure you can imagine, the number one card used by all the top players. The log! Rolling in at number one, baby. It's the log. <laughs> We've talked about this card before, so I will keep it short and sweet. I will point out the fact that Spells are easier to be the number one card because there are less spells. So let's just keep that in mind, right? There are so many less spells than there are troops and buildings. So Mm -hmm. in theory, it's just the best, not only the best card in the game, but it's the best spell in the game. And when you're, Mm. when that combination happens, it's likely to be the best overall used card in the game. Okay. Number two, which is a little bit of a surprise, the Goblin Gang. Tied for second best with the Skeletons. So Larry is getting some competition from the (laughs) Six Gang Goblin swag. Boom. I'm impressed. The card is seemingly becoming very popular. People are figuring out very neat ways to defend with this card. And the value that you get from not being able to kill all six of them with a zap is just tremendous. At the end of the day, it's a three cost card that gives you six troops. And if you're facing something that has to swing through each of them, it takes a long time to get through. So this card has seemingly become more popular and I can't wait to see what unique decks continue to come out of it. It's funny, I actually feel like I see this card in decks that contain the Goblin Barrel, the Skeleton Army, and the Minion Horde. Because all four of those cards, including the Goblin Gang, cause your opponent to use the spells that counter the other one of those cards. So like a zap, an arrow, like, and once you once you get your opponent cycling those cards, you can just nail them with whatever you have left. And that's the Zap Bait Log Bait deck, baby. These decks are super prominent in the current meta, and it's cards like this that make them viable because you get such tremendous value if your opponent does not have a response to them. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good point. Uh, Anything on that list that came as a surprise? Did Sparky make an appearance this time or no? To my utter grief, 
Yeah, right. Sparky has left the building. Good. Sparky has received one final rocket to the face. <laughs> she, she is no longer operating. And she's Good. currently being worked on by Supercell. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> she's being repaired. She's currently being repaired. <laughs> even though the... <laughs> even though the Electro Wizard got a nerf, he is still easily the best defensive card in the game. So do not take him out of your decks. Just try and find different ways to use him effectively. Mm -hmm. One thing that I will point out, which you might have noticed, is the use rate of the Musketeer has gone down significantly over the past couple of weeks. And here are the numbers. Two meta checks ago, 31%. One meta check ago, 23%. And in the current meta, 16% use rate. Ooh. Steadily decreasing. And my analysis tells me this. The 2.6 Hog Cycle deck, which once was very, very popular, is not as popular anymore. People are finding ways to counter the 2.6 Hog Cycle deck, which made the Musketeer very viable in the current meta. And because of that, she's not seeing as much play. It doesn't mean she's not as good. And she, did, she didn't get nerfed, right? It's just right. she's not being used in that deck as much because there's less of those decks being ran. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I also feel like a lot of people have been running archers pretty often um, because you get two of them um, and they're way cheaper. That's right. Three costs, two troops, and they are more difficult to kill in the long run. Um, yeah. And the other thing, which I'll just touch on very, very quickly, is that people seem to have found better uses of three musketeers as opposed to the single musketeer, especially when they're running an elixir beatdown deck. And so it's just interesting to see how the meta has changed over the course of three weeks. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's why I'm glad we still do this. And sir, there you have it. The meta check. Boom. I love it. That was Boom. good. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the first time we recorded this, we actually had chests to open and actually opened them. Uh, and obviously we didn't save any because we didn't prepare for the hiccup that Joe caused. So we have no chests. So we're skipping that this week. Moob. Moob. Total, total utter moob. Mm, yep. Mm hmm. But we will never go without our deck spotlight. Deck spotlight. So this deck is actually, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the deck that you used when you were working with Sir Tag, correct? That's right. I used this deck with my coach, with my dude. Sir Tag. And if you can't tell by the name, it's clearly named after our buddy. So uh, we dubbed this one Tag, You're It. And it is a 3.3 average elixir cost deck. And it contains the following cards. The Knight, the Furnace, Skeletons, Archers, Electro Wizard, the Log, Poison, and the Graveyard. That's right. Tag, You're It. And here's the thing about this deck. Before we go into each card, overall, the deck is super control-based. The goal with the deck is to counter your opponent's actions while you set up some offensive play. The graveyard is in the deck, but you can't use it too early. You do have to wait to play it at the right time. And when I go through each card, you will see when. So, we will start off with the knight. <laughs> the knight is your only tank in the deck. It is your defensive troop to soak up some damage, and you will use this card for three different purposes. One, to defend and soak up some damage. Two, 
you will use it in front of your archers so that you can poke some damage at your opponent's towers. And three, at the end of the game, you will be using your knight to tank for your graveyard by dropping him right at the bridge, let him walk across the river, drop the graveyard, and just watch the tower melt away. So, so he's, he's pretty pivotal to this deck. He makes this deck possible. If mm-hmm. you were to switch this card out with an Ice Golem, it would make it cheaper, but it would make the deck completely unusable in a competitive way. Right. The next card up is the Furnace. The Furnace allows you to have versatility in the deck. It allows you to plop a building down, create defensive presence on the map, make it a little bit tougher your opponent to deal with, and is chip-based in nature. And the cool thing about a chip-based card is that it forces a reaction from your opponent. Sometimes they don't have the answer that they want right off the bat, and they might have to drop some elixir when they don't want to. This deck causes your opponent to do things they don't want to do, and that's what you need to use it for. Aside from that, this card needs to be used to pull big, tanky troops like the giant, the golem, and even the lava hound into the middle of the map so that your archers and or electro wizard can do some damage to them. So do you find that this card winds up being very useful because it can either A, help you with your push on your side of the lane that you're running, or B, uh, distract the other lane while you do your push in the original lane? Both of those things are very true. You will use this card to facilitate with your push, especially at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. But during the middle of the game, you're using it to counter your opponent's pushes and dedicate some resources to the other lane. And if you can do that appropriately, it really stops your opponent from being able to build anything huge up, right? Because they have to focus on two different places. Yep. And that's one of the things that I noticed when I was working with Hazard. I'm not pretty good at that. Yeah, man, you you and me both, something we certainly have to work on. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So aside from that, the next card in the deck is the Skeletons. Our boy Larry keeping it real in the four-pack. We've talked about this card at length in previous episodes, but the skeletons are going to be used defensively against your opponent's most offensive troop that probably can't attack back, like a giant or a golem, etc. Ultimately, you want to make these cards an annoyance for your opponent. Mm-hmm. Take damage away from the tower, onto something else, and let your other cards, like your archers or your electro wizard, and even your tower, Just deal the damage they need to deal. Next up are the archers. The archers are fundamental and they are pivotal to this deck. The archers are very good at cycling because you can place them both behind your king tower and they'll both each walk in one separate lane and it just gives you some options to attack one lane or the other. Right. They are very, very good in a current meta of just very popular graveyards. If you plop them behind the tower, both of those archers will probably kill all of the graveyard skeletons without your tower taking too much damage at the end of the day these things force spells out of your opponent especially if you can get your knight out in front of them because they deal so much damage when they're left alone a surprising amount in fact and your opponent has to react to them otherwise they're not going to win the game the electro wizard electrons this card is just absolutely insane in the current meta One thing you need to realize is that the versatility that this card has is tremendous. It really stops your opponent from doing anything. You want to use this card for your opponent's most offensive troop, like a hog rider, 
or even a bowler, etc. Anything that's coming down your way that you want to prevent from doing damage. This is extremely good against things like zap bait decks, especially if they're running things like a minion horde or goblin gang or skeleton army, which pretty much all of them do. Right. Because what this does is it doesn't make you have to use a spell to kill all of them. If you drop the troop down and he stays alive, it creates an offensive counter push that you're developing. It actually helps you in the long run because it forces your opponent to do something else. Whereas if you just use a spell, there's nothing else that your opponent has to look out for. Next card up is our favorite, the log. I won't go into too much detail, (laughs) but you got to use this as often as possible to help yourself cycle, to deal damage, displace things, cycle. Honestly, I don't know why you wouldn't have it in your deck because it's fantastic. The next card is the poison. And I'm going to talk about the poison in tandem with the graveyard because it's used in tandem. You're not going to really want to use the poison just randomly. The poison is used with the graveyard along with your knight. Now, for the whole entire game, you're using the cards that I just talked about in a way that really just counters your opponent, prevent damage from hitting your tower, and just see if you can get a couple of chip hits off on the tower. If you can do that for the first two minutes of the game, you're golden. Because at the end of the game, once you hit double elixir time, your opponent does not know you have a graveyard. You can drop your knight right at the river. As soon as you do, drop the graveyard on the tower. Their archer tower will lock onto your knight, and you're just wreaking havoc with some graveyard skeletons. The cool thing is, once you do that, you just simply wait, drop the poison on whatever they're defending with, Mm -hmm. and you just swag out and win, baby. (laughs) The poison allows you to get some good damage on the tower, kill your opponent's troops that are killing your skeletons, and just get amazing, amazing value. And to be honest with you, if your opponent messes up, which they might because they don't know you have a graveyard until the end of the game, you can take the tower in one full push, and that's all you need to win the game. So I'm really digging the fact that this is a 3.3 uh, AEC, but I have a question for you. Do you find that when you play this, there is like a specific deck that it just has a really hard time with? There's a few. This deck is very heavily reliant upon the graveyard spell. If your opponent reacts well to your graveyard or if you play your graveyard too early and they can really identify to it it makes it hard to win one of the worst possible cards you can go up against in this deck is a valkyrie the valkyrie just eats the skeletons from the from the graveyard away it makes it very hard for you to get damage off on the tower and to be honest with you if you do your graveyard poison combo you're not getting much value on anything and at the end of the day you're just putting in negative elixir whereas they're developing a great counter push on your end and oh by the way their counter push has a tank in it (laughs) right and like the poison isn't gonna kill or take care of a lot of its health from the valkyrie so exactly so i would say that that's one of the most challenging decks that i've i've faced um aside from that things like lava loon are difficult to beat because you have to be really precise with your um with your electro wizard placement And also Lava Hound lightning spells are very difficult to deal with as well because you're going to find yourself wanting to drop the Electro Wizard quite often. The problem with that is that the Electro Wizard, Tower, and your Furnace are very susceptible to a lightning. And so you really Mm -hmm. have to be conscious of that when playing a Lava Hound deck because you're going to want to drop the Archers as opposed to your Electro Wizard until you know they don't have a lightning or they've used it already. 
all, all this all this talk about spells coming out of nowhere just makes me wish that there was a counter spell in the game. Right? Like an anti-magical shell or something. Yeah, that would really be fan. That's actually a fantastic idea. A counter spell that really only does its effect to spells that you can see coming across the screen, like a rocket or a fireball. That's right. That would be fantastic. That's a, that's a free one, Supercell. Take that one to the bank. Bank it. No, but seriously, that, that, was, a, that was a really, really good... Um, explanation of how that deck is played. And I'm glad, clearly, because it's working really well for you. It has been working. I've been taking this deck for a spin in Classic Challenges. I haven't yet taken it to the Grand Challenge because I'm still trying to perfect it myself. However, it's got great potential. And as we talked about before, Surtag has 500,000 or more cards from Challenges 1. And this deck has gotten him plenty of those. So give it a try and see how it works. Boom. Boom. All right. And then... We got some reviews this week. Uh, we received five reviews, um, three of which we're going to shout out on the show right now. Um, and the first one comes from Alex4172 from the United States. And they write, Unparalleled. There really is no comparison when it comes to Clash Royale podcasting. Rob and Joe have an unparalleled enthusiasm that will ooze through your audio device. Their genuine passion for the game and those in the community really make this a one-of-a-kind show. Deck strategies, professional guests, news, and updates. Cast Rail is the only CR podcast you need. Boom! Boom, dude. I don't know how I feel about oozing through people's audio devices. I mean, I don't typically mix anything that oozes into an audio device well, but if it's my voice, I'll say... Yes. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. So Alex, thank you so much for the kind words. We truly appreciate the compliment kind of compliment. We love oozing through people's audio devices, whether it's good or bad, as long as it's our voices. Boom. Boom. And the next one is from Leather Raccoon Ratings from the United States, who writes, Hodgepodge of everything. Amazing podcast, really entertaining, funny and informative show. These two casual players give their thoughts on the game, and they give you strategies. If you are a casual player, then you will love this podcast. Boom, fist emoji, bomb emoji, because you can't get more boomy than that. Can't get more boomy than that. I think I love the most about this this review is the fact that it is a hodgepodge of everything. Always. That's my favorite of every review that says that. So Leather Raccoon, thank you so much for the kind words. We try and be a little bit funny with a sprinkle of informative, but sometimes we get that mixed up here or there, and we just are Maybe. so glad that it comes through <laughs> in a way that you receive well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for the review. And do you want to do the last one? Well, of course. So the next one and the last one is from Orion Smith, and they write, It's a hodgepodge of everything! All right. And they are from the United States. They write, If you play Clash Royale, you owe it to yourself to subscribe to this podcast. Rob and Joe deliver a perfect blend of strategy and fun that will remind you why you fell in love with the game in the first place. Boom. Ooh. You falling in love all over again. This was like, this was an awesome one to read because like, I just feel like when we do the podcast, we're trying to talk about things that like we are very passionate about and that we really enjoy. And I'm just super excited to hear that it's kind of, it's flowing through that way. <laughs> yeah, clearly. And the and the review before, we ooze into people's speakers. So it 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 really it's nice to know that 
us doing the podcast makes other people feel that way, especially since us recording the podcast makes us feel this way. So uh, can't say we disagree with you, Orion. We really appreciate the review. Thank you so much for taking the time to write one. And boom. Boom. And we also want to give a nice shout out to Tyler Jenkins, 89 from the U.S. and FB of Broden from the United States. So thank you guys also for writing in. Um, we really appreciate uh, you giving us an awesome, glowing iTunes review. Boom. Um, if anyone would like to leave an iTunes review for us, you can do that on uh, any of your iOS devices or on your Mac or even on your Windows PC. Just go to iTunes. You can find the show and uh, leave us a nice review. Um, it's the number one way you can help us reach more people. Boom. And this week, we got, count them, six patrons. Six patrons! Yeah, it's crazy. So huge shout out to Party, Gil Harris, Caleb, Cygnus, McCall, Greg Siegert, Techno, Troglodyte, and Orion Smith spending their hard-earned money to help support this show. We really appreciate it. The show would not be here or what it is today without the support of people like you guys. Um, and don't you worry because there's some cool swag coming your way. That's right. And we're just super appreciative of the fact that you continue to be our backbone to all of our patrons that allow us to continue to allow us to do what we do, deliver fun, fresh, informative feedback to our listeners. So a huge, huge, huge thank you for that. Yes. And for those of you, this is actually uh, pretty funny and it's an appropriate place to bring this up. Uh, for, uh, for, for anybody who has tried to support the show before using the link that was in our show notes, for who knows how long it has been broken. And it was recently brought to our attention from one of our listeners and they were like, uh, hey, I went to this link and it brings me to a 404 page. So what gives? So we fixed it. Uh, so if you were thinking about supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month, you can use the link in the show notes, get some serious swag and back the show and help make sure that we continue to deliver bi-weekly content. Mega boom. Mega boom. And also no PayPal tournament sponsorships this week, but that's okay. If you would like to sponsor a tournament, just go to our website. Uh, if you're on a phone, go all the way to the bottom. If you're on your computer, it's in the right sidebar. There is a link to support the show, but also to donate through PayPal. And if you do that, we will sponsor a tournament in your name. That's right. And don't forget, we still have our year one Cast Royale Edition t-shirts available. So if you were thinking about supporting the show, but didn't want to commit to any monthly payments, you can go to teespring.com slash Cast Royale year one edition. Ooh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> We will put the link in the show notes if you'd like to support us. And if you just want some cool swag, that's a cast royale on them. Boom. Boom. Oh, wow. That was great. And probably even better than the first time we did it. I would say that is true. I do hope we get to do some chess next time, though, because I'm, I'm, I'm sad that we couldn't put them in this episode. Yeah, it was it was sad face. It was, it was mm. I saw like mm-hmm. a tear fell down my face when you said that we couldn't do them again. It was a massive moob. Big moob. Mm-hmm. 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 So if you would like to join our clan, we do our refreshes every Saturday night into Sunday. Um be sure to uh be on the lookout for that. Um and if you do want to join and you send us an invitation, please write the word podcast. 
in the invite so we know that you came from here. That's right. And if you'd like to reach out to us on Twitter, you can do so by using the handle at Podcast Royale. And if you would like to send us some snail mail, you can send that email to feedback at castroyalepodcast.com. Send us your questions, comments, concerns, love, and or hate. Preferably not the hate part, but lots of love. Boom. And we recently changed our Discord so that it does not require a password to get in. So visit us at castroyalepodcast.com slash Discord. You will be taken to a page where you can just simply click a link and join the community there, which is fun, friendly, learning and growing together. And oh, by the way, we host a couple of tournaments per week. Boom. Oh, and by the way, when we do have open spots in our clans, we announce it in the Discord. So you're the first to know. So be sure to check that out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we also have our YouTube channel that's still going. Um, if you like to listen to the podcast via YouTube, for whatever reason, you can get to it at youtube.com slash podcast. And as Rob mentioned before, if you like what we're doing or you'd like to give us any sort of feedback, please consider leaving us an iTunes review. It is the number one way that you can help us reach more people. Boom. And last but certainly not least, be sure to take our not ever updated survey. Not so updated survey. Anyway, the point of taking the survey is it helps us understand who is actually listening to the show so we can get a better idea of what types of decks to pick for the deck spotlights or create for the deck spotlights. So uh, if you could take two minutes out of your day, it's 10 questions. Promise you it won't take more than two minutes. Um, Just, uh, you know. Fill out that survey for us. It really help us out. Boom. Mm-hmm. So how's it feel to finally finish <laughs> recording this for the second time? To finally finish recording again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Feels great, doesn't it? Feels fantastic. Feels uh-huh. like I've done this before. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, oh, uh, I guess I should mention um, the next time the podcast is released, after this episode, I will be in London. So I'll be there on the day, the Sunday, that we normally release the episode. The goal for Joe and I is to record our episode a little bit early so we could release it a little bit early. So you might see another episode in your feed before Sunday. And then don't look for another episode in your feed until two weeks from then. So we're just preparing you that it's going to come out a little early next time. That's right. So prepare your ears, folks, because it's coming soon. Boom! That was a beautiful sounding boom. I don't know if I've ever heard a more beautiful boom than that. It had, it had good tone to it, right? I feel like it was the start of a beautiful song. I feel like that's how we should have started our uh, intro music. You think so? It's good, but it's not that good. If you did that, I'm not so sure anybody would listen. I mean, I would listen because I, I mean, you just, you you obviously sound fantastic when you sing. I mean, everybody should listen when you sing, but I don't know if anybody would. Well, it's funny because you know, when I really actually do that stuff, I only usually save those types of booms for when we open legendaries on the show. You just never hear it because you're yelling with me. Oh, dude. When we open up a legendary (laughs) on this show, I go ham. I'm like, (gasps) boom. It's literally a party in here every time that happens. Luckily, it doesn't happen often. I think the roof would fall down. Either the roof would fall down or our microphones would explode. Either way, Mm -hmm. a big boom is coming. (laughs) I agree. So anyway, if there is nothing else, get ready until next time for another hodgepodge of everything. Hodgepodge.
hodgepodge of everything. Boom. Bye. Bye. Bye.